Failure is a town that everyone visits, whether you're trying to get a ministry idea off the ground or you're simply trying to move forward in your experience of God, you're guaranteed to come across obstacles that threaten to bring an end to your plans. In the book Christ's Object Lessons, the author states that whatever is to be done at God's command may be accomplished in His strength. All His biddings are enablings. And yet, despite knowing this, it's easy to become discouraged when we can't see God working through us. In this episode, Shauna Chung and I talk with Sebastian Braxton about how to navigate past brick walls. Sebastian speaks to us with personal experience. As a child growing up in the projects, he learned to move forward even when everything seemed to be going against him. Later, when he joined the Marines, Sebastian came to recognize failure as a challenge rather than a discouragement. Obstacles were the things that pushed him. Today, Sebastian is an entrepreneur and a radical preacher, as well as a former program director of campus and the founder of Stride, public campus ministry training programs in Michigan and Boston. Join with us in our conversation at the GYC conference in Phoenix in 2017. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for being here. Thanks for having me. And for talking about how to navigate past brick walls. Mm -hmm. What is, I guess, your personal experience with obstacles? Well, when I think about my personal experience with obstacles, I imagine that my life kind of started off with every possible obstacle. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents divorced at a young age. They, I was born out of wedlock. Grew up in inner city, single mom, government funding, didn't have money, didn't have Christmas presents, didn't have food sometimes. Then you have gang violence, then you have school violence, then you have younger siblings you have to protect, but your mom's working 16 hours. So I didn't get to get piano lessons and, you know, different things. So you, you know, much of my life was about fulfilling a promise I made to my mom, you know, as a kid that, you know, where there was a night when my mom had gotten her check and our government food stamp funding. And so she was like, oh, I'm going to like stock the fridge. I'm going to have all this food. And my mom was all about creating these experiences. And so we had the food stocked and we're all like, oh, we got this for the very first time. And like these like Flintstone pops, whatever. And so we went to bed and in the middle of the night, we just heard a crash, right? And in this crash, it was like, what in the world is going on? And so I get out of bed because I'm a little more, you know, rushed towards danger, not stay at the bed. And then eventually my mom comes and basically, you know, long story short, gang broke into our house, took all the food out the fridge. Mm. All of it. I mean, all of it. Freezer, fridge, fruit, vegetables, everything. And I just saw my mom just slowly, you know, sit into the couch and just cry, like just so frustrated. And so I remember as a kid, I was like, you know, mom. You know, one day we're not going to be poor. And I was like, you know, this like seven-year-old kid, like, you know, mom would be rich and I'm going to take care of you. We're going to do all of this kind of stuff. And so then for me, it just became this thing that obstacles were kind of my encouragement. They were my impetus. They were the things that pushed me because it was like, well, I've been through worse. And one of the most profound things my dad said to me was that, you know, there is a good thing about being poor. And he mm -hmm. says, the good thing about being poor is, you know, what you can live without. Mm -hmm. You can still move forward without all of these things. You don't have Nintendo, you don't have games, you mm -hmm. don't have all this money, you don't have new Nikes, mm -hmm. but you can move forward. And I think for me, obstacles became more opportunities, right? They became moments of innovation. Like when we were poor as kids, we couldn't afford checkers and these kind of things or Monopoly. So we would take like, you know, milk caps from different colors. So whole milk is red, 2% is blue. And then we would save up enough caps and draw our own board and then you could play checkers. 
and we couldn't afford Monopoly, but our apartment building had like a sidewalk that went all the way around. So then we just took chalk. It was like three bucks, right? My mom bought it for us. And then we just drew the spaces of the Monopoly board on the sidewalk squares. And then we like created our own money from like some different paper that we had. And we like cut it up and we put the amounts and like we had go, we had park place and like mm -hmm. all this stuff. And so then we used our bikes as kind of like our pieces and then drove around. It's like, you know, so it was like we created our own Monopoly game. So mm -hmm. to me, my experience with obstacles really always converged on looking at them as opportunities, but also things that push me to, to innovation. To like, well, maybe I need to do it a different way because in my mind, I should have money. And once I have money, I can get these new shoes and then I can become cool and everybody will like me. And then the girl on the cheerleading team is going to pay attention to me. And so that's kind of where I frame obstacles. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's an opportunity. So you're talking about having like a background of just obstacles in your life that you've had no control over. Mm hmm. How about once you became a Christian and Adventist and you got involved in ministry? Did you find yourself approaching obstacles in the same way? How did you relate to obstacles in ministry? Of course, because when I when I came into the church, I was in the Marine Corps as well. And the Marine Corps just kind of takes that mindset to like the next level. It's mm -hmm. like there is no failure. <laughs> You're a Marine. It's like mm -hmm. so, you know, when I when I was baptized, I was still a Marine uh -huh. um, when I was baptized. So to me, that military mindset of failure is not an option and obstacles are basically like the difference between you and greatness. That's how the Marine Corps looks at it, mm -hmm. right? The ones who are remembered are the ones who conquer obstacles. The mm -hmm. ones who are forgotten are the ones that look at them. Mm -hmm. So essentially, when I came into the church, again, right, I didn't have a Christian Adventist background. I didn't know all the hymns. I didn't know all the Bible texts. So I remember my first time being asked to teach Sabbath school before I was baptized, actually. Mm -hmm. So I'd only started going to church the second sabbath of january 2002 mm -hmm. this was the first sabbath of february oh wow right so i'm there at church and this girl at my school because i was baptized on a secular campus she didn't know that i was adventist <laughs> or that i was going to the adventist church and i didn't know she was adventist and she was clearly worldly and not living a christian life <laughs> so mm -hmm. when i found out she saw me with the sabbath school lesson she's like you're adventist i'm like you're Adventist? And she was like, yeah, I go to this church. And so she got her youth director to invite me to teach Sabbath school. The crazy thing was I was so overwhelmed with the idea that I didn't have the background in the Bible and all these doctrines. So I memorized the whole lesson, like the paragraphs, wow. the verses, everything. So I came to teach the class and everyone's like, I'm fielding questions. I'm answering them from memory. So where does, you know, that I remember the lesson was on the armor of God. And so they're like, uh, all right, man, thanks. This is a great job. And come to find out the youth leader was actually there. Mm -hmm. um, and afterwards, he's like, yeah, man, um, so how long have you been Adventist? I'm like, I'm not Adventist. He's like, what? What do you mean? And I was like, uh, I actually just started going to church three Sabbaths ago. Like, what? And so he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, so you were raised a Christian? I'm like, no, actually, I wasn't. And you just get these constant shock looks, you know? So for me, it was like, the fact that I didn't know the Bible, mm -hmm. the fact I didn't even know where the books of the Bible were. I didn't know if you asked me who, you know, Job was, if you told, oh, Saul, I didn't know there were two. Like, <laughs> you know, those are things I didn't know. So I used to study, you know, seven, eight, nine hours a day in the Bible because, wow. again, 
I come from the poor background and the marine background, which says, here's an obstacle. So guess what? I just got to study and catch up on my knowledge. I really admire the journey that you've taken and the, the fact that you've used obstacles as the catalyst to improve something or to create something. Mm -hmm. For those who see obstacles as debilitating, right. that they're unable to get past it, to see it as anything useful in their life, what kind of response might you have to that situation? Well, to me, I mean, you definitely have to start with mindset and perception first, mm. right? You know, you you recognize that I didn't, I wasn't born that way, mm. right? There were circumstances where I had to make a decision. And a lot of times when people think of obstacles, they're, what they're really thinking about is crises. Mm. I don't want to be put in a situation where I have to be, I have to make a decision. That's what a crisis is. I have to decide between this or this. You want to make it so you can choose in your own time and when you have time to review things and get a good feel of it. So to me, when a lot of people feel like they're stuck at an obstacle, what they're really stuck at is a crossroad where they have to make a decision that may not be popular or preferred or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so to me, you first have to take your mindset to say, guess what? Making decisions is a part of life and I can't be afraid of where this is going to take me. The second thing is that once you get the perception piece under control, then you have to recognize that obstacles may take time to overcome. Mm. You know, some people they're I'm trapped or I'm stuck is not really I'm stuck. It means it's not moving fast as I would like. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not mm -hmm. going away when I want it to go away. But the reality is, is that when, you know, I need to finish school, I'm not going to finish my medical degree in two years. Right. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but it's an obstacle. I have to overcome it. I'm not going to baptize this person by next month. Like, it's not going to happen. So I have to accept the fact that there is a process. There's a time. And that's where, you know, we get to the third element, which is when you involve God in what's happening, then you also have to take into account that these things that are coming up before me, they're allowed by God. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, what is his purpose mm -hmm. in allowing the obstacle to be there? Mm -hmm. Paul prayed three times to get that thorn removed from his flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient. He didn't say, I'll take it away. Just give me some time. Right. You know, versus Daniel prays three, three weeks of fasting and God says, oh, Gabriel's like, well, it was the prince, the devil was basically fighting and I had to send Jesus, Michael, to come and to deal with it. So you have on one level, you were praying and fasting, which was anticipating the success of overcoming the obstacle versus mm -hmm. the other one. It was like, I'm never going to mm -hmm. remove it, mm -hmm. but you have to trust that my grace is sufficient mm -hmm. to carry you through. So I think those are three things I feel when you feel stuck. Uh -huh. you kind of have to keep in mind. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's powerful. You know, we're talking about obstacles and what I've seen, a big obstacle can be like the fear of failure mm -hmm. or failure itself. Yeah. So how's a great attitude or way to approach failure, especially if you've done it over and over again, <laughs> so that you can get beyond it? You know, failure is something that, the fear of failure is definitely something that constrains people. Mm -hmm. Right. I, there's no question on that. It's probably one of my most exciting things to address with people. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because when you sit down, and you ask them a set of questions, things begin to emerge a lot clearer in their mind. So they say, well, what's wrong? I'm afraid I might fail. OK, do you fail now? <laughs> but you still live life. 
right? right. It, the truth of the matter is failure or failure to its logical conclusion leads to life paralysis. Mm-hmm. If you're really going to live that way, you'll do nothing. Well, if I go and get this degree, what if I never get hired? Well, if I become a medical doctor, what if I don't get into the rotation I want? Mm-hmm. The fear of failure is always there. But somehow you're able to transcend it and bypass it. So to me, you have to step back and ask yourself this question, right? The fear of failure is what constrains us from living a meaningful and passionate life. Mm -hmm. The things that are exciting in life, where your purpose lies. Think about every single biblical character who was called into a great work by God. He or she would have never experienced what they experienced of what God was willing to do for them if they were constrained by the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Noah, build an ark. Well, if you're afraid of failure, you would never know his name. Abraham, Mm -hmm. David, you can go from person to person to person. So in every single thing that we find ourselves saying, man, I'm I'm afraid to fail. You're only afraid to fail primarily in a Christian worldview because you think it's dependent on you. Right. But you look at Moses, you look at Joshua, you look at these people who had faults, and yet God was still able to accomplish his purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that lets me know that God can still work his purpose out through imperfect me. Mm-hmm. and still fulfill his perfect plan. Mm-hmm. So that helps me to see that failure for me in a Christian context has always been this thing that why would I be afraid of failure if number one, what God is calling me to do is what he's calling me to do, right? This is what I'm doing. So it's not like David, right? He wanted to build a house for God and God said no. But that's because <laughs> it, was, it wasn't something God had commanded David to do. Right. But when it was something that God called David to do, he was always guaranteed success. So that Mm -hmm. removes the fear of failure. But then let's say you're doing something God called you to do, like evangelism. Right. And it's like, well, God (laughs) called me to do this. Well, why would God tell you to do something you were destined to fail at? Ah, so that's where we have the whole point that all his biddings are enablings. So if he calls you to it, he'll bring you through it. He'll give you the skills to do it because he called you to do it. And guess what? When you do it on his command, he's responsible for the results. That's a military concept, right? Mm -hmm. If you send 50 Marines into a territory and they die, it's not on the sergeant. It's on the commander who sent them. You lost 50 troops Mm -hmm. because you were the one who commanded them. They were going on your orders. So in this sense, when we look at failure in this sense, if those Marines fail, it's on him, not the Marines. In the same sense with God, we go when he commands, it's on God. It's not on me. And I guess... On a little more lighter sense, because I know I'm a lot more edgy and, you know, rough (laughs) with it. (laughs) So, exactly, you know. So, I I also want to speak to the fact that I do have a tender side. And (laughs) I recognize that there are obstacles in life that are harder to face than others Mm. Uh for various reasons, right? Emotional Mm -hmm. reasons, primarily, Right. You we we don't want to face those things because for whatever reason, there's some emotional barrier or baggage to like, man, to face this thing is like you just can't see yourself emotionally surviving it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think in those circumstances, it's it's a it's something where you can't marine your way around it. You can't just mm-hmm. say, I'm going to push through it. It's got to be. Something where you accept that this is going to be a journey of a thousand steps. Mm-hmm. And I just got to start by taking one. Yeah. 
Awesome. And I just got to move it just a little bit, just move the needle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think for those kind of obstacles for people who are like, I feel stuck and, and I feel constrained by that fear of failure, like why even try? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we address that. But I think on the other side, it's not a why should I try? It's more of a like, if I try and this happens, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready mm-hmm. yeah. to deal with that. Because the truth of the matter is we can develop cycles of life. Uh-huh. where you know we get the the pink elephant syndrome right <laughs> the elephant with the pink string so you have the fact that because he was always chained on his leg right when he grows up you just need to put a pink string mm. because the chain is moved from his leg to his mind hmm. in his mind there is a chain there because every single time he's tried to kick he couldn't get free mm-hmm. and i think for a lot of people they are living the elephant with pink string experience where this obstacle and barrier has been here for so long, I don't even try to break free. Wow. When now you actually have the strength to break free. <laughs> because the chain is moved from your leg, from your finances, from your self-esteem, from your family to your mind. Mm-hmm. Before these were the barriers, but now you've grown out of this. You're big enough now. You're a full-grown pachyderm. You can break free mm-hmm. of this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in your mind, you can't. So therefore, there is no reason to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think when we bring these principles or these yeah, conceptions of failure into ministry mm-hmm. or into the spiritual realm, there's a tendency for things to kind of be overshadowed by spiritual language. Yeah. And I think that we don't oftentimes see the parallels between the failure that we've been discussing this entire time mm-hmm. with the failure that is oftentimes experienced in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so for those that are... I guess they feel called by God to do something and yet all they're experiencing is failure after failure after failure. And it's just like, God is calling me to do this. Mm -hmm. How, how do they, I guess, retain their motivation to keep going? You know, I had a business mentor of mine say something that helps me address that point as an entrepreneur, because entrepreneurship is all about (laughs) your ability to sustain failure. Mm. And he said, you know, 80% of life is showing up and when you think about the fact that for a lot of people who are like, I'm doing something God called me to do, but I'm failing and I'm failing and I'm failing. And what they fail to realize <laughs> is that <laughs> God didn't call you necessarily to success tomorrow. Mm. He just called you to do the act. I am successful because I'm fulfilling the command. Mm. Mm. And for a lot of them, it's just showing up. Because if you think about Joshua walking around Jericho, He's training his army for this immense battle with this immensely fortified city, how to climb walls, how to deal with arrows firing, mm-hmm. what, how to build your armor. Like this is how Joshua is tr- training his army. But then he goes out and he's like, all right, guys, all this hard work and push ups and like running. The Lord has called us to walk. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. You want us to walk around the city? Yeah. And then what? We're going to go home. <laughs> just once. Just once. Musicians in the front. Musicians, like, <laughs> like if you think about this idea, right? You're trained. I'm a trained soldier, uh-huh. and my general says we're gonna walk around and go home mm-hmm. seven days in a row. It's like what in the world is this? But you you recognize the fact that you are not called mm-hmm. to go into Jericho on some hero mission through the windows and through Rahab's secret <laughs> passageway. Yeah. And conquer the city. You're called to do it God's way, mm-hmm. in God's mm-hmm. time. You might just be act one. That's yeah. right. And you got to accept that right now, 
you just need to walk around the city. Mm. <laughs> and you could perceive that as failure because we have not conquered it. Mm. Wow. So in that sense, when people say, I keep seeing failure, failure, we have to recognize that we do what is right because it is right. Mm-hmm. We leave the consequences with God. Success is faithfulness to the task. Yeah. Okay. But then you come around to say, Jericho gives us the hope of like, eventually the walls are going to come down and then he's mm-hmm. going to say, now it's time to fight. Mm-hmm. So all that training you did was not for naught. Mm-hmm. It was for this moment. So let's say someone has like failed and failed and they have a vision and they're not getting anywhere with it and they keep persisting. How do we know whether our vision is worthwhile and we should keep trying or we should actually give up? I see. So you guys saved all the hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when you think about having a vision and it keeps not working out, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a very good question. I don't know if there's a textbook answer or a clinical answer to that question, if I'm to be honest. Uh But I do believe there are concepts that speak to that experience. You know, one of, you know, the sermons I've preached in the past is unfulfilled dreams, which Mm -hmm. partially addresses that question, right? Which is, should I even dream Mm -hmm. at all if life seems to be a continual story of unfulfilled dreams? It's a Mm -hmm. phrase I Mm -hmm. borrowed from Martin Luther King Jr., so when you look at the fact that I sat down with a man in India mm. and he had not heard the sermon. And so we're, we're sitting there in Bangalore, India, and he was a doctor. And he went out into the bush with his wife and his two kids. I'm talking like deep in the woods, which is run by like gangsters and marauders. Like mm. every night they would fight with the government and like local people and all this kind of stuff. People get injured, bloody, and he's a doctor. So he's living in this hut. Like, literally, there's no security, right? There's no vivant. There's none of this stuff for him to protect him. They break into his house in the middle of the night and were kidnapping him every night for 10 years. Wow. And say, look, they would blindfold him, drag him through the night of the Indian jungle and say, listen, put a machete to his neck and leave someone at his house and say, look, you either heal my friend or your wife and your kids are dead. Hmm. So he would perform medical procedures. He's like, guys, I need supplies, right? It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> what do you need? So then they would go and steal the stuff that he needed. Mm. <laughs> he would be operating and helping restore these people. And he was like, Lord, you called me out here, mm. right? So he's telling me the story. And when I went to India at that time, he had just returned from this whole experience, right? He was now back in pursuing a different vision, um, him and his wife. And while we're sitting there talking at lunch, you know, he said, Sebastian, I just, I left and not one soul. Hmm. Ten years of that. Hmm. Wow. And then that's when I told him those words that, you know, I said, David, it was in the heart of David to build a house, Solomon said. And God said to David, you know, you're a man of blood, so you can't build me a house. But he said, it is well, because it was within your heart. Hmm. So in God's mind, it was in your heart. And he, and he said, hmm. And I said, now, the true depth here is when you understand it in the light of Christ. That was in the heart of Jesus mm. to save all men and to lead them all to the truth. And he's going to go to heaven and there's going to be people outside the city. Mm-hmm. And he's going to say, Father, I wanted to save all men. And God is going to say to Jesus, it is well. 
because it was within your heart. Mm. And I mean, this man just broke down. And that study always makes me cry, personally. Mm -hmm. Simply because I understand the feeling, mm -hmm. but I also understand that it gives you a different insight into Jesus' heart. Mm. Because even Jesus experiences guaranteed eternal failure. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And yet he still did it. Uh -huh. So when you talk about having a dream and a vision, it's like, how do I know to persist? You know, I think for those individuals who go through those things, mm -hmm. right, there's a, I don't think there's a clinical answer, but mm -hmm. I think there is something in the fact that when God has laid it upon my heart, mm. you know, I have to be comforted by at least knowing that God is saying, look, it's well, because at least it was within your heart to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in the words of Dwight Moody, someone came to him and said, how are you out here preaching with your broken English? <laughs> and Dwight Moody is like, well, I'm out here winning souls with my broken English. What are you doing with your perfect English? <laughs> because the point is like, I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. yeah. So to me, when you have your vision and your dream and you're trying to build something for God, God is never the author of confusion. He'll let mm -hmm. you know when he wants you to, to deviate. God mm -hmm. does not operate in nebulous spaces mm -hmm. is this god talking to me is this... <laughs> no that's our own minds mm -hmm. right notice when they came out of egypt is the lord among us or not mm -hmm. like what like what are you talking about you just crossed the red sea <laughs> you want cloud by day pillar of fire by night manna in the morning is the lord among us like bruh what else do you need <laughs> it's like right and, and so i i think that we have to put those things into context that these situations in the bible are usually acknowledge those moments of confusion and kind of a nebulous thought like is this that's usually in our minds mm -hmm. it's usually our lack of faith mm -hmm. but in other times when god did not want david to build he made it clear to david you know and that's what i believe god loves us too much to be confusing and ah oh, yeah you know breadcrumbs and hansel and gretel us through the woods <laughs> of life and say hopefully you'll arrive at the destination i want why would he send his only son to die for us and make it confusing wow. to fulfill his purpose? You're my maker. So why are you going to make it difficult for me to do what you made me to do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At least to know it because I'm an intelligent being. Mm -hmm. And it's the same God that says, come let us reason. All these different things. So mm -hmm. I, I just don't buy into the idea that this question, which is really undermined by how do I know God's will for my life? Yes. Right? Right. It's, it always reeks of that concept. That God would literally make it difficult for you to know what he wants. Mm. No one who is in a loving relationship <laughs> makes it difficult for the other person to know what they want. You just don't do that in love. And so for me, it's it's I just don't see that question being fully accurate in its presuppositions. But mm. I think <laughs> I understand the pathos and the experience mm -hmm. of it. And I think I go through it as an entrepreneur. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this distracting from preaching? Should I just quit this thing and shut down my business and just... Everyone goes through that. Mm -hmm. But that's when you have to kind of go back and look at the Red Sea and the pillar of cloud and mm -hmm. all those different things and be like, yeah. I don't need to wonder if the Lord is among us. I have plenty evidence and signs. Well, as we were talking about everything, I think one of the, the aspects of moving on or growing mm -hmm. and learning from failure is learning when to let go. And then when you actually let go, how do you kind of pick yourself back up and keep going? Ooh, resilience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I found for myself that we sometimes as humans expect ourselves to be superhuman. Mm. We expect ourselves to 
operate mathematically. Hmm. I've subtracted this, therefore it is no longer a part of the equation. We move forward. And life does not work that way. You yeah. know, logic cannot codify everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's why I changed my major from math, right? When I was an engineer, <laughs> <laughs> because I saw that there's just certain things, numbers and math cannot explain and cannot quantify. Mm. And so I think when it comes to resilience and recovering from circumstances, right, there is this concept that they call, you know, synthetic happiness, where you're constructing your happiness from the situation of the guy who was supposed to partner with Ray Kroc and didn't. And he's like, best decision of his life. You know, the guy who spent time in prison for a crime he didn't commit, DNA evidence released him. And he said, you know, I feel just as happy as ever. Mm. And you expect these people to be bitter, to be broken. They were able to recognize that life has its highs and life has its lows. Mm. And they gave themselves time to come to grips and to accept what they had gone through, what they had lost, what they had gained. Um, and I think a fundamental change that, you know, concept that helps us to heal is the ability to accept good and bad. Mm. I think sometimes when we do the let go dance, it's got to be all bad, right? There has to be nothing good about my ex-girlfriend because I had to end that relationship. <laughs> my ex-boyfriend was a complete jerk, you know, and I have to say the negative things because how can you justify mm. leaving mm -hmm. a perfectly good seven-day Adventist young man? It's like, this makes no sense. It's like, no, because as my father used to say, you can do everything right and still lose. It's 100% possible that there is nothing wrong with you. We just don't fit. It just doesn't work. And we have to accept the fact that, you know, in those in those circumstances where I'm looking at, you know, letting go of a situation, it doesn't always have to be drastic or disaster driven. It can just be whatever it was. And I can accept that she was a nice girl. We had some good times. I grew in certain ways because of her, but I need to move on. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, that's a part of emotional maturity. That's a part of adulthood. That I'm able to accept good and bad. I don't have to criticize my ex-girlfriend or my ex-wife or whoever in order to justify my decision to let go. And I think that helps with resilience. I'm, you know, kind of recently was uh, counseling a young woman who came out of a relationship and she's like, yeah, I don't know what to expect. And I'm afraid the last time I ended a relationship, I kind of stopped going to church and stopped studying the Bible and just became emotionally distant. And she was kind of like, you know, I want you to hold me accountable, you know, to not do that. Hmm. So this was a Sabbath afternoon. I was at my church. And so a week later, I called. I said, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? She said, actually, you know, it's crazy. I feel perfectly fine. And like, I think I'm ready to talk to him. And da, 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 da. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, let's give this some time. And, you know, then she had an instance where I told her, when you have a relationship, you had a pattern of life. And when that person's removed, when those patterns come back around, then it starts to hit you emotionally. And... Through that, she understood it because of a circumstance that came up where she was used to being involved and he was in that pattern. Mm -hmm. And now he's not there and that's not happening. So the letting go, you know, my argument is always you have to give yourself the time, the space to process. Mm -hmm. There's no rush. You don't have to be debilitated, but you also don't have to be like, oh, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to accept that there's good. There's bad. Some days are going to be easier than others. Mm -hmm. And this is my process. And whatever I need to do to go through my process to process that, that's my process. It's my journey because it's my loss. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. you don't have to compare yourself to others. You don't have to live up to some, you know, amorphous expectation floating around out there in your mind or in the minds of the peers around you. Mm-hmm. You can just say, well, this is my journey. This is my way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. I think that kind of wraps up everything that we've been talking about. The fact that mm-hmm. there are highs and there are lows and I guess looking outside of ourselves mm-hmm. and transforming the the pain into something productive yeah and proactive agreed yeah agreed. thank you very much for your perspective i do my best thank you for having me um these are very deep questions <laughs> so <laughs> i hope that um i did them justice and you know i think there is a lot more that needs to be explored on this topic mm-hmm. a lot more talked about a lot more vulnerability from these heroes and so-called icons of of, mm-hmm. of communities and churches like you know people need to learn from failure right. and see that there's a way back from failure exactly. and to recognize it's a town that everybody visits special thanks to sebastian braxton for sharing with us i hope you have been challenged to move past the obstacles in your life and to view failure not as a debilitating experience but as a motivator and enabler for achieving success